October 2020. We held our Clubhouse Fashion Virtual Experience in partnership with Lone Design Club. In this episode of the Sustainable Fashion Podcast, our expert panel discuss materials of the future. This session is about materials of the future. So um, we've got our expert panel that are going to be sharing insights with you. We did share some content beforehand, which I hope you've had a chance to take a look at, um, just to help frame the conversation. If you would like to see that content and you haven't already, you can email me at info at globalfashionmarketplace.co.uk and I can send you um, that information just so you're in the loop with where the conversations have evolved from. Amanda from Lone Design Club is going to be managing the chats and the Q&A session later. So we're just going to hear a bit about the Lone Design Club from Amanda just before we get started. Great, thanks so much. Um, Thank you for having me here today. Um, It's such a pleasure to be a part of another great discussion. Um, The previous talk was really insightful, so I'm looking forward to this one too. Uh, A little bit about Lone Design Club. We are an omni-channel retail platform um, that aims to unite and support independent designers through a series of brick and mortar retail pop-ups, as well as across digital spaces. We connect conscious consumers with small sustainable fashion brands and businesses through experiential retail in order to build deeper connections than your average high street experience. So we do this through events and happenings and live discussions. Um, we have we run regular pop-ups across London, but we've also launched in other locations around the UK, um, as well as Italy and China. Um, so yeah, thank you for having us. Amazing, Amanda. So yeah, Amanda will be back with us at the Q&A, as I mentioned. So if you've got any questions, you can put them in the chat or raise your hand and Amanda will um, facilitate those questions for you. Um, So our host today is Liv Monturi. So I'm going to introduce Liv, or Liv is going to introduce herself and Liv is going to talk a little bit about her passions uh, for sustainability and introduce the panel. Liv will be taking us through the rest of the event and um, yeah, so over to you, Liv. Um, yeah. Hi everyone, I'm Liv. So I've been working in the fashion industry for more than 10 years, like different aspects. Um, I've done like some trend research, design, production. Um, material is something obviously that's really important, like supply chain, trims, all those things. And I think it's really something that has a huge role like in the next step for like fashion. Um, I really try my best to push like fashion and textile into like a more positive and transparent direction because we're part of an industry which is far from being clean. So yeah, I think we all need to to do something and collaborate to to be able to push it into the right direction. So today we we really lucky to have like um, great panelists, like actually they're really diverse from everywhere. They're doing different um, jobs and they're all trying their best as well to push fashion into a more sustainable direction. So as me, they are sustainable freaks. So we have like a great panel today as well. So material of the future, it's something that, as I say, is really important because we hear a lot about recycled material, but it's far from being like where we could be. And it's lots of like new options as well, new materials. Like, so it's not just only like recycled yarn, it's like how 
to make the right decision as well when we design, when we use them, when we consume as well, and how to go towards like new technologies and new options that could make our industry cleaner as well. So Mike is actually a sustainable expert. He worked for a lot of different companies across like the US, Canada, Europe, and he's really trying to help business to be more sustainable. So Mike, I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, thank you, Liv. Um, hello everybody, my name is Michael Savory. I am the former head of sustainability for a, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> for a material science uh, startup based in Philadelphia, United States. Um, my role at the company is I led the sustainability around the innovation of new materials based on hemp technologies. Uh, prior to this, I was researching the sustainability of hemp and how it can be adapted into the fashion industry and how it could actually be a one-for-one -one replacement for cotton. Um, throughout the last few years, as Liv said, I've been practicing sustainability in Canada, where I'm from, uh, Europe, and now in the United States and looking to kind of plan the next area where we can kind of bring sustainability into the built environment, uh, materials of the future, and the apparel industry. Excited to be here. So then we have Adam. Adam is the head of sustainability at Internet Fusion and Dome, and is doing a lot into the action sport industry as well. Hello everyone, thanks for having me. Um, yes, my name is Adam Hall, as you, as you can see. Um, I'm Head of Sustainability for Internet Fusion Group. We're, we're a collective of 11 online websites that cater for the outdoor and action sports industry. Um, and we've, uh, the sustainability is the heart of everything we do um, because our customers are on the front line. They're, they're in the oceans, they're in the mountains, they're in the great outdoors. So they're, they're the ones feeling the effects of, of, of the human's impact on the environment. Um, so this is a massively important subject for, for, for fashion and the apparel industry. Um, they're often quoted as the second most polluting industry on the planet um, behind the fossil fuel industry. Um, as we're experiencing now, the fossil fuel industry is collapsing. Um, so the fashion industry and apparel industry is going to take that number one slot when that industry disappears. So it's an important subject and, um, and it's important for our customers. It's important for our organization. And we're doing the, the utmost we can to, to drive our industry in, in, in the right direction for us to, 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 to be sustainable in the 21st century. And then we have Fernando. Fernando is the co-founder for Textile Innovation, Erget um, Global Yarn Innovation. So we're going to tell you more about it. Thank you, everyone. I'm glad to be here. And I'm co-founder of Erget Global Company here based in Brazil. We make a new developments about making yarns in a new process we call clean ocean process. And what about clean ocean is we prevent to lose a microfiber plastic. If you are losing your blended yarn, we, we, in the process, we can prevent that. And when you use your clothes, uh, you give more durability to your clothes and more longer life and all kinds of, of prevention of the ocean fibers of 
fibers to go to the oceans. And this is incredible uh, innovation that we are making here. And then we are already put on demand making a new yarn. So is when you think about companies and the companies who produce the branding, who produce clothes, doesn't think about the yarn to make a new yarn. They, they buy a new yarn, they buy the yarn, but they don't think about to make new, the new yarn. I will put is uh, on the mobile phone in you can anyone in student university small fashion branding uh, to make your yarn to receive the sample the yarn in your house and to make a new fabric and to make a new clothes because clothes is a fabric and fabric is a yarn so i will allowed uh, put this sustainability for everyone to produce a new yarn, your yarn. Yeah, that's it. So we have some questions for the panelists and as they are like working in different field with a similar mindset, like it's gonna be really interesting to hear what they have to say about them. So the first one, it's what are the most innovative tools and materials being used to combat the industry's impact on the environment? So who wants to start? Mike, do you want to start on this one? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'll jump in there, Liv. So when we look at the kind of the tools and materials that are being used um, right now in the industry, there are, to me, there are some key tools out there that are helping many apparel brands. Uh, and that is the Higg Index. I'm not sure if everyone's familiar with the Higg Index, um, but it's the suite of tools coming from both the Materials Sustainability Index, which goes into and analyzes each individual material and fiber uh, down through LCA data, as well as it allows you to kind of track your supply chain. So they are being pushed out by the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, um, as well as some other big brands. And I feel like that is kind of the next biggest thing in brands kind of communicating both with their supply chain and their factories to monitor their emissions, um, as well as for brands to kind of actually do their design work and see, okay, if I swap out one material for, we'll say hemp for cotton, they're able to kind of see the direct effects that their garment would have um, through their tools. So they are, in my opinion, one of the leading tools out there. Um, for actually being able to do a direct comparison before a product is built um, as it's utilizing the, the LL life cycle analysis data um, that's available in the world. When we look at materials um, that I feel are kind of changing the industry, it's not necessarily a material of the future. Um, it's actually a material of our past and that's hemp. Hemp has slowly again started to kind of be rebirthed into the fashion industry, companies like Patagonia and Nike are, are kind of leading that push. And I feel, I, I've studied hemp um, throughout graduate school and it's something that it's gonna change the world once it's actually there. It's a bit kind of lacking innovation um, right now. It's about 60 to 70 years behind, but as soon as more and more companies come around and actually put money towards the research of hemp, it's gonna be a material that's gonna be able to change as it's, uh, it's more durable than cotton it's warmer in the winter, cooler in the summer, and obviously has a less environmental impact than cotton and other natural fibers. And it's naturally antimicrobial. So 
The materials are definitely going to say hemp. Um, the material of our past is going to be the material of the future, in my opinion. Amazing. And we've seen a lot of interest into this one. Um, can you write the name of the, um, of the tool in the, in the chat, Bukola, so everyone can, can refer to this one? Then, for the, yeah, what, what do you think about it, Adam? Yeah, I'd, I'd like to reflect exactly as Michael said. You know, there's some uh, hemp is, is, is a fantastic tool. Um, sorry, it's a fantastic material. It uses much less water. Um, it, it grows quicker. It, it doesn't need pesticides. So, so they're, they're, they're fantastic elements to that material. Um, and and it's, it's fascinating to see that um, how little organic cotton as well, or, or responsible uh, cotton has been adopted over the years. I think it's something that Patagonia, which Michael mentioned, introduced a long time ago. And I think at the time, I, this might not be exactly right, it was around 3% of the industry was using organic cotton. And today it's decades later, it's still 3% of the industry. So it's, it, we're, not, we're not progressing here and, and it's, it's, it's baffling why. And actually we've moved on from organic. Um, the, the, the new standard is, is regenerative organic. Um, and that's actually where um, the, the farmers of cotton or, or hemp or, 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 or any material that's, that's got an organic standard is actually regenerating the land. Instead of just actually saying, okay, we're not doing damage. That's a really old mentality. It, it, we're not doing damage. Actually, what we're doing is we're doing good. We're repairing. And that's where regenerative organic is, is, is the next standard organics out of date and nobody's adopting organic we, you know we're on to the next stage um but there's some really interesting mat materials coming out of uh, at the moment there's a lot of um uh, recycled plastic bottle materials echinol for example um but we do need to be very wary of the unintended consequences of moving to a new material um you know there's 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 the shedding of of, of micro plastics from from going to recycle plastic synthetic fiber uh, products which is where hemp just <laughs> comes straight in i think michael's just hit the nail on the head you know we don't really need to talk any further um but particularly if we go back to our my industry we deal a lot with with wetsuits i appreciate that's not fashion but it shows the innovation that is happening and there's there's a ulex system um, which replaces neoprene neoprene is is massively toxic and damaging when it's produced and that's the insulating factor for a wetsuit now ulex uses natural gum from gum trees um, and there's also an, a, a, a progression from that even further where they're using oyster shells um, to actually produce the, 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 um, the, the, the insulation, if you like. So there's innovation everywhere, but we, we, we do need to be very conscious of in unintended consequences. Every material will have an impact on the environment. We've just got to evaluate what, what's the best fit for any organisation. Yeah, and I would add as well to be careful about the fast fashion claiming the greenwashing thing using some plastic bottle that they recycle in-house to call it recycle. So it's a lot of transparency as well, like missing on that and really good point for both of you. Fernando, what do you think about this one? Yes, I, I agree with Ed and Michael and they have a good point of everything. And we need to think when you think about innovation and technology, we have to think the end of the product and the end of the lifetime. And, and then we start to think the innovation. So it's really hard 
to industry, uh, we are based on petroleum now, to move uh, forward and of natural fibers or natural uh, synthetic stuffs. But uh, the point is, how can we do the move? How can we, we change the petroleum base? Because the petroleum base used 2% uh, to make uh, the textile uh, fabrics, the textile industry, just use 2% of petroleum. So um, what is the big point here? What's the big problem of choose 2%? I think the problem is staple fibers. Uh, the, ma the major problem is staple fibers. Staple fibers, synthetic and artificial as well, and natural as well. The point is, and uh, we can see the ocean floor is uh, everything in, in the ocean floor is synthetic, artificial, cellulose, and uh, I mean viscose and cotton as well. We can see a lot of cotton in ocean floor. How can we avoid this? How can we possibly make a technology to take a better cotton, better hemp, a better synthetic uh, fiber to put this together and combine one protects each other and prevent to go to shedding and prevent to go to the ocean. This is the point. This is the we can we, we need to think about it, and 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 this is about we, uh, I am doing here in Brazil and showing to the world that I'm did I did here, and I think the technology to to move to the environment, we don't need to spend a lot of money. Oh, uh, I, I I saw some startups growing up now and some companies putting 10 million, 20 million dollars, whatever, and to a product is not scale and a product for the future about 10, 20 years ago. We have to do now what the technology, what can we, we produce now to change a little bit of the market. We don't need to change a, a, a lot of the market because we broke the market. Totally, everyone has to be aware of it now and to try to implement it as soon as possible. What are your thoughts on using waste as a resource for new materials? I'll, I'll, jump, I'll jump in there. Um, I, I deal a lot with, with waste and recycling. Um, I, I think it's, it's, it's fundamental. Um, we, the, the, well, there's two points, two fundamental points here. You know, for recycling to become viable, um, I mean, when, particularly when you're talking about plastic recycling, that the recycling rates are, are abysmal. You know, that we, we shouldn't be using recycling as the single tool to solve the plastic pollution crisis. That's just something that's peddled by the fossil fuel industry and the plastics industry as a solution. It, it, it's not um, because only around 10% uh, of plastic is actually recycled. 2% of that plastic is effectively recycled into anything worthwhile. Most um, plastic products are, are, are only recycled um, once at best. Um, so you're just delaying it from going to landfill. So actually the way that we actually encourage recycling isn't trying to put it on the individual to say you must recycle more. It's actually creating demand for recycling recycled products. So actually, when when we create products, we should we should be considering recycling. We should never be using virgin materials when it comes to, to plastic, certainly. Um, 
so actually creating demand will actually drive the engine room of recycling on the other end of the scale so actually they'll create demand which will make uh, recycling much more feasible having said that we're talking a lot about shedding fibers so we've got to be pretty wary about creating synthetic products that actually shed microfibers every time you wash and is 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 actually just going straight into the water course anyway so um you know there's there's a lot of innovations and i know that france is passing legislation to actually have filters on all their washing machines um that's coming very soon the, the european union will follow rapidly after that and there are add-ons that consumers can actually buy for their own retrofit their own washing machine so yeah i mean there's there's we've got to think holistically you know it's it's not a single issue and you have to think about the whole and i think fernando really nailed that point earlier when we were talking about materials you can't just look at one section you have to consider the whole whole life cycle um you know beyond the life cycle analysis you know what industry is it supporting is that industry damaging the environment all the way through to the end of life you know we, we have to consider every single element and um and and, and uh, although it is good to uh, use waste as a resource we've got to be conscious of what the, the unintended consequences of that also is as well yeah i'm kind of can i touch on the point that adam said there the reusing plastic or recycled polyester for instance sadly it's it's getting better but we've only seen a five percent increase in the last 10 years according to textile exchange so if we're using say it's i think it's 110 million extra tons of polyester a year within the fashion industry 14 percent of that is recycled so that's still 95 million tons of virgin polyester being produced every year to go into our products so I think Adam mentioned at the very beginning that we need to, recycle is great, using waste materials is great, but we need to use regenerative materials. You're getting more things like recycled cotton becoming an industry, recycled polyester, anything recycled is absolutely amazing. But recycled is, that's, as Adam said, that's not the key to, to the problem. We can't just expect to recycle everything that we make as we know any blended material each tri-blend, double-blend material can't be recycled very easily. So we have to, to kind of get away from thinking recycling will be the answer. It's a great temporary solution, um, in my opinion, right now, but it's, it's going to get better. Something, if we think of kind of using waste, we need to look at other, other industries to, to do this. So there's a lot of great things happening, like companies taking coffee grounds that are already spent, um, and turning them into vegan leathers, turning them into antimicrobial fibers. Same thing, um, as Adam mentioned, using oyster shells in for insulation. Companies are using oyster shells, they're using shrimp slip shells, all these different kinds of crustaceans. They're able to tip that waste and, and use it within the textile industry, um, as well as for dyes and pigments. So when we talk about using waste as, as a new material, I think that's, we have to. We have landfills, that are increasingly overfilling every single day around the world. I think it's a dump truck goes to the landfill every two or three seconds um, in the world, a full dump truck. So it, it's, we are overburdening ourselves with waste every single day. And we need people to, I don't know, plug their nose, go into the landfill and actually take that waste out and produce something um, and be conscious of what's gonna happen if, if we're producing synthetics and staple fibers that are gonna wash out. We need to figure out how we can address that problem. Um, 
but who knows, maybe we can collect all the microfibers, melt that down and make new filament fibers. Yeah, I agree with every, everyone. And I have a good point in, in these opinions that the problem we know already is, is temple fibers and people. Eh? People doesn't know what you are using. Doesn't know at all what you are using. Eh? This is the point. And so the people must know more about what, what they are buying, what, what the product is made for. So of course the industry is greenwashing about uh, PET, staple fibers, mixing, blending with cotton organic is absurd to do it, but they are doing that and say, oh, this is a sustainability clothes and you can buy it and you, you, you are buying a good product for your planet. This is bullshit. Sorry about saying that. This is wrong to buy it. Don't buy uh, a PET uh, staple fibers blended with cotton. I'm truly saying that because staple fibers is bad for environment. And when you think about recycling uh, in, in textile industry, you must uh, some some products don't have to return to to the textile industry. Go to another industry. Yeah. So I saw PET goes in the textile industry, in the, sorry about that, in the textile industry as a staple fibers. No, came, came as a filament. Filament from recycled PET is much better for the environment. So uh, I'm, we, the filaments uh, is better for the environment because they're not shedding at all fibers because they are not made they not uh, made of fibers they are molecular so of course they shed a little bit with frictions and of course but they are more environment to use the filament as a, uh, uh, better to use filament uh, filament than uh, staple fiber. So in recycling goes to the textile plastic, goes to build a block, uh, a block to use to build a house. I, I don't know, or, or do whatever you want, but I think not, not to come back to textile industry. For them, it kind of goes with the next question as well, because it's like, how are we tackling the issue biodegradable product. I don't really like the term biodegradable because it feels like everyone is using it and we're still having like a lot of research behind it because you cannot really say that something just gonna biodegrade and disappear. Like you have so many conditions that are needed, so many different like materials and stuff that gonna biodegrade different way in different condition. Like I prefer to use compostable. It's something that's still more realistic than biodegradable. Um, but definitely something that's like way to use and especially like regarding plastic, it's not only when we, it's obviously the consumer as well that have a part of responsibility in that because like it's not only when you wash your clothes, it's only as well like when you wear your clothes that it's all like shedding and it's just like really important to make the right choices when, when buying a product. 
But um, what do you think of how are we tackling the issue of biodegradable compostable products? May I? So uh, this, is, this is really nice uh, objects. So biotextile yarn, they not biotextile yarn at all in water. No, don't have, don't have at all. Uh, any yarn or clothes will be biodegradable in water. Nah? So uh, to your yarn, for a yarn, uh, you must, we must protect the environment. So uh, a company from Israel, Nilit, the company, they made a polyamide. They, they are making polyamide, biopolyamide. So this kind of biopolyamide, I think is really good idea because the, for environment, because is a, a anaerobic biopolyamide. And of course, don't have indu industrial uh, around the world to, to pick it up, disclose and to, be, uh, to put in the, in the earth and to make faster biodegradable in three years. But this kind of bi uh, biopolyamide is good for the environment because, okay, in three years in a good environment uh, 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 of, with, without oxygen, with, without, uh, uh, with exactly temp temperature, and okay, in three years, gone, disappear by microorganism. So, but without this uh, temperature and without air, this, this kind of products make like six years, but it's still good because nylon polyamide is 50, 60, 70 years to go away. But this kind of new innovation from Nilet, polyamide, uh, biodegradable uh, in soil is very good. The, we have as well the um, they, they are yarn from corn. So it's from the leaf from the corn. It's not ac actually from the corn, it's from the leaf. And this is another stuff of uh, filament. Um, they are not using it at all as a filament. They are using more as a staple fiber. So staple fibers is bad for the ocean and for the whole entire planet. So don't use staple fibers and it's synthetic, I mean. And, but the filament is good. And the, the corn, the leaf, the corn leaf, you can produce a really good products uh, with the cotton, with hemp and, and make a completely 100% biodegradable clothes. And this is really amazing. I'm gonna just kind of touch on that and say, we aren't tackling the issue of biodegradable products. We, I think something that's been a common theme here is we're not necessarily thinking of the entire life cycle of what we say biodegradable products are. And if you think of what biodegradable means, it means breaking down into smaller parts. Well. If we make a synthetic and say it's biodegradable, it, it's breaking down to smaller parts. Well, okay, what are smaller parts of a synthetic? It's microplastics. And a lot of people don't understand, oh, and that's one issue. A lot of people don't understand is when we're getting these plastic bags from our companies or any kind of our trim materials and it says biodegradable, to me, that says one thing. It says, okay, 
this material has reached its useful life, throw it away. Don't recycle it. It's biodegradable, so throw it into your trash bin, throw it into your garden, um, get rid of it. But what consumers aren't aware of and what brands don't tell people is most of the stuff that they get isn't biodegradable in a home in a home environment. It has to be an industrialized setting. And for much of the world, it's not industrialized setting. So there was a case in New York using, I think it was the Tiva bags from Israel, where this brand was sending them all out and they're actually getting people to send them back to them because New York uses a closed landfill. So it wasn't able to get the sun, wasn't able to get the rain and the moisture needed to biodegrade. So in my opinion, biodegradable products aren't where they need to be. It's, it's a nice to have biodegradable compostable. It's great to kind of put in there, but it's not addressing the situation of why are we creating materials that we're throwing away. We should reuse, reduce, reuse, recycle. And if we're creating a poly bag, which is famous for being biodegradable, why are we saying, okay, this has one use, throw it away, it will biodegrade, and that is it. If we look at the flip side of this and not just look at synthetics, it's the same thing with natural fibers. We, we use natural fibers and organic fibers and say, look at this, it's, a, it's amazing fiber. It will biodegrade or compost anywhere we look at it, but that's the fiber itself. And as Fernando said, the fiber is where we need to look at, but people don't realize is, okay, we have the fiber, that's, that's step one. Then we have to make the yarn, then we have to make the fabric, then we have to make the clothing, and then we need to dye it somewhere in that, and we need to apply a DWR, we need to apply so many other chemicals. The fashion industry is one of the worst users of chemical industries and the chemicals in the world. So we have all of these chemicals that we're adding to these natural fibers, and then we're saying, yeah, it's going to biodegrade. Little do we know that that material and those chemicals on that fiber are going to biodegrade and leach into the soil, leach into the waterways and, and cause so many other problems. So I, I think we're not tackling this issue. We need to more look at, okay, how do we reclaim these garments and how do we actually cycle them back into the circularity aspect of, of waste? Um, it's very difficult for me to add to any of that because um, you've you've pretty much covered all my points. Um, but I I I think I'm, maybe I can just emphasise it a little bit exactly what you both just said. But I think um, biodegradability is 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 the last resort. It's it's as if that that clothing material has gone through every other option that we we can we can go through through a circular economy, and if it slips through all of those nets it's the last resort, it's like, okay, it's biodegradable. It shouldn't be upfront that actually, okay, just keep on buying this stuff. It's all biodegradable, just throw it all away. You know, it, it's, it's, it's last resort. It, it's got to go through every other stage of, of, of reuse, um, repurpose, you know, recycle, and then last resort, okay, it, it ended up getting thrown away. It is biodegradable. So it shouldn't be your primary, it's biodegradable. It, that, that's the last resort. No, yeah, just just make another point. I, I didn't say that oh, it's biodegradable, so throw away. So uh, I mean, it's completely different. I want to say that if you have a biodegradable product, uh, it's going to be a more durability and use, 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 use. Sometimes, of course, uh, and you have to pass away. So you can pick, you can pick it up this clothes of biodegradable and recycle. 
the bio biodegradable and put to recycle. But I mean, sometimes uh, your clothes just scratch at all and cut and and goes to another, I don't know, and goes to the landfill. And that's, that, that's a, I, 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 I had this idea though, this is a good idea. If it's the landfill will be biodegradable more faster. It's not throw away. It's not because I, I, I want to buy a bio, a bio product to, to throw away. No, this is not the idea completely. And I think it goes for the next question as well, because I think what we need to keep in mind, it's really to be closing the loop. It's not just consuming and producing like new thing, new materials. It's always to keep that in mind. Like what, um, how can I be part of like closing the loop? How can I be back of like a circular economy as well? And for everyone, like what are like you design, you produce, you consume, everything should be really keeping that like circularity mindset in mind. And I think as well, that's the next step into materials of the future is circularity. So how can brands start to embed circularity into their supply chain? I, I wouldn't mind going first on that. So I, I think it's engaging every stage of the value chain. So, so it's, 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 it's the designers on one end, it's, it's the recycling industry or repurposing industry on the other end, and actually just making sure that it's, it's linked up all the way through. So we are, you know, we're designing products, um, you know, with, with, the materials and, and 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 how they're physically made you know to be part of the circular economy because if, if that whole value chain is not engaged um any 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 missing link within that chain can can ruin circularity you know it's it's called circularity for a reason you know it's it, it needs to be a full process so i think i think you know for me we, we need to be looking and we need to be considering every aspect um it's not just one section um that because if that if we're just considering that one section we're not looking at the damaging industry that's producing these materials or, or we're not thinking about the end of life so every, every part of that value chain from the, the the raw materials that that industry you know the design the manufacture everything you know end, end of life how it's distributed you know we need to be looking at ev everything and and with a key focus of, of of focusing on end of life because that's 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 part of you know a large proportion of where the damage is done you know how are these materials going to be brought back into this this system and that's not really thought about at all at the moment you know it's it's a it's a take make and dispose system that we've got a, a very linear system um but we need to change that mindset and, and 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 everybody needs to be on board with that yeah and i think adam was right there and it's there's no communication within the brands and their supply chain and our industry has you can have a thousand suppliers like nike probably nike has i think ten thousand suppliers give or take so if one of those suppliers i think communication is the biggest thing because if we a brand can go out and say we want to be circular we want to do this and they say we're going to buy all these materials we're going to do all this amazing things and then they go to their, their cut and sew or they go to their fabric manufacturer and say, okay, here's all of these amazing materials, use them. And as Adam said, if one of those companies or one of those supply chain pieces is left out, then they're not able to work with it. And that's where the communication comes in. We need, in the building industry, it's called integrative design. So we need to kind of put all of the stakeholders in a room and say, this is what we want to accomplish. How do we do that? 
And I, I think something that's not being talked about as much is we, we think of the apparel supply chain as four tiers, um, tier four, tier tier one. We Then we say, then it's the customer. And then we say, okay, then it's circularity. Well, how do we expect one company or, or one section of the supply chain to be able to close the loop within circularity? We have uh, 10 to 15 materials coming for one garment. Then we're expecting one company or one piece of the supply chain to be able to close that loop. I, I don't think is realistic. We need to, to adopt a model that has the end of life supply chain be just as large as the, be the starting of a supply chain to, to close that loop because it's, it's not a, a one person, one brand company that's going to solve the problem of circularity. It's gonna take a team. It's gonna take a, a combined effort of every player in the industry to come together and say, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Yeah, circularity is a big issue. And I think uh, there is a, a great solution. Uh, let's think about the solution. But first, let's think about um, the past. What is the cause of this big mistake that we are now? Is in the 30s, um, a company, a famous company, I don't know if I can talk to the company here, but a famous company uh, invite, uh, deploy a new technology uh, of blending yarn. So they produce a staple yarn fiber is almost one millimeter, two, three, four millimeters of staple fibers to mix with cotton, to mix with viscose. So in the 30s, start this business because plastic in, the, in that time doesn't use, uh, the, wasn't using in closing fashion, was using technical uh, textile, not, not in fashion. But the fashion was really big in grow up market. So let's mix plastic with cotton. Oh, it's a big idea. It's a good fabric, uh, it's a good properties here, but they didn't know this is caused a lot of pollution. This is a big pollution now. So how can we put a circularity in an old industry of textile? The old industry are using the 30s technology. So how can we manage this? This is, is impossible to change in the day. Oh, let's change the day. It's impossible to change that. So circularity of blended yarn and the blended yarn is the most yarn uh, used in the brandings because the branding uh, just make the, the, the branding uh, uh, to create a new yarn, the paint of blending yarn. So the brandings, the paint of blending yarn. So this is bad. So how can we change that? Eh? So I have a solution to adapt a new technology to transform and to give a circularity and to prevent a microfiber shedding in the ocean. For sure that we can do that. And this, that, this, is, this is the solution, 100% solution? I don't think so, because don't exist a 100% solution. Uh, but I, I can reach a 90, 95% of the solution. So it's really a big deal that we are talking here to bring circularity of blending yarn in the market. This is the solution and avoid staple fibers. Staple fibers is we, we can make staple natural fibers from cotton, viscose, 
and hemp. And as well, we can make staple fibers from polyamide and from uh, polyester and another kind of material. And the difference about staple fiber and the filament fiber, filament is a molecular, is a, like a shower. Is, is, uh, you put, like you see the water in the shower, is that like a filament, continual filament. So, and staple fiber are completely different process and to be able to mix with cotton. So this is the idea, the circularity must stop use staple fibers, use more filaments better for the world and to get the true circularity. So that's kind of like already you answer for the next question, new fiber innovation, what should we be looking out for? <laughs> Thank you. And I think the innovation is not just natural, is not just synthetic. Yeah? I think it's the mix between both natural and synthetic or artificial. And with this kind of new process to prevent the microfiber shedding the ocean. Definitely that we are talking about prevention and the end of the cycle of the products. This is the new kind of fiber uh, can deploy uh, to a, a little bit of nature because we don't have a lot of resource uh, of plant plantation for entire world to, just to be a fashion nature. And as well, we don't have a resource of uh, petroleum or plastic or whatever. And of course, new fibers will go through with algaes and will be here, but it's just in large scale, it will be 10, 15 years. We must do now because the ocean in 30s, we have a line to the oxygen of the ocean, the acidification of the ocean in the 2030 now will be done. Don't have to, uh, and no, don't have to, the, the scientific people, they say that this line in the, the 2030 will go down, 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 don't have return anymore. So we must do now the point, we must change now. And how can we bring this reality for the old industry? So it's really, it's really, it's really difficult this to bring uh, uh, right now a new stuff. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not rooting, I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm saying, I, I'm, I, I want to be a, po a, a polite, uh, guy to say that I have a solution because I'm truly I'm saying that I, I, I think that I have the solution to to bring the middle term of the environment problem you know what I mean and to give more uh, uh, time to take more development technology and give more time for our ocean that I, I, I think that my, my technology can uh, give this this time for us to, because the planet is our, is our garden and yours is everyone here. So we must take care of that. What about the others? Yeah, I think if you look at fiber innovations, um, we're gonna be seeing a lot more lab grown things, kind of using natural materials. We, we've seen this already kind of in the food industry um, we've seen more technology. It was the golden age of technology 10, 15 years ago for 
other industries. And I think now it's coming to the, the apparel and fashion industry. So we see rise of companies like natural fiber welding who are making um, vegan leathers and non-synthetic leather, leathers, um, as well as companies like Bluemax that are making soles for shoes with companies like Nike companies. Um, I think almost every shoe company actually now is Adidas, Nike, Puma are using something called Bluemax, which is algae. So I feel the next kind of next kind of growth within the natural uh, the fiber innovations is going to be natural materials that are abundant um, that have little to no harm to actually produce them, such as algae, such as lab grown uh, materials like mycelium um, or mushroom leather, things like that. I think will be the next next biggest innovation within that space. Um, I'd like to flip it on its head. I'd, I'd like to think what we what we shouldn't be endorsing with the new innovations in natural fibre, because there's some great work that Michael's just outlined and Fernando's just outlined. And actually, when you've got companies that are just doing half attempts and taking up this sustainable narrative, when they're just doing things that we've been doing for for for, for years, and it's it's kind of a twenty percent of this material is that time is gone and, and, and they need to get out of the way if they're doing that because they, they can't be part of this sustainable narrative when these really great innovations should be taking up all this noise and taking this space. So I'd like to kind of flip it on its head and say what we shouldn't be doing. It, it now is not the time for half measures, for percentages. Now is the time to be bold and really take innovation on this um, and really endorse those innovations because our, our planet is creaking under the pressure that we're putting putting it under and there's just no time for greenwash half measures get out of the way you know stop stop wasting everyone's time you know there's some real true innovations that are happening give them the space give them the airtime, and let's let's really drive this forward um so i'd like to flip that on its head and say what we shouldn't be doing <laughs> i think i'm going to build on what adam was saying there and go a bit more controversial and say we're all confined to indoors nowadays. So we can basically just have digital avatars with clothing, um, stop all fiber production, stop all clothing production and just move to a complete digital online uh, avatar for, for skins of clothing. So just get rid of clothing altogether and, and fiber new new production. Let's go digital avatars to, to solve this issue. <laughs> Yes, I agree with you, um, Mike. We should definitely all be using just digital clothing going forward. Um, Liv, do you have any more questions or anything to put towards the panel? I think they summed up everything. It's really to re-talk about all those questions. I think it's really to be more conscious about what we're buying, what we're consuming, why we do once we don't want to close anymore, how to recycle them the best way, um, and as well to request more transparency into like the industry for anything we want to buy, for to question everything, to know where it's coming from, what fibers it's made from, because people are tending not to look at any labels anymore, no composition anymore, and it's something that should be really important in the food industry, you're able to scan and to know if it's good for you, if it's good for the planet, what's in it, 
why are we not able to do that in the textile fashion industry? So I think it's really to challenge the brands a bit more and to question things and to ask for more transparency as well. Yeah. Um, I kind of, on the point of digital fashion, we did touch on that earlier in the session. I know we've got about five minutes left, but when you think of materials of the future and you think about where fashion is heading and the pandemic. I know this conversation is not totally about the pandemic, it's about the materials of the future, but Michael did make a good point. Are we heading to a world where we should be focusing more on a digital kind of experience and, and use natural materials such as hemp for like indoor clothing? Is that, is that where people need to be thinking or is an outdoor world still out there, Adam? I, I think the digital world's growing as it is. We, I think it was early this year, I um, can't remember which brand it was, did their first digital fashion show where the, they made no garment, no new clothing. They just basically added it digitally and had the people walking around. And if we think of what companies are doing now to improve the design process where you can do it all digitally and you only have to make one sample, it, it, digital is kind of the next progression for us to eliminate minor things it's eliminate waste eliminate this we're seeing more models with renting clothing renting rent the one runway might not be digital but or there's even i think apps now that will allow you to photoshop their clothing onto onto yourself for a picture to post on instagram so i, I feel people will get on to digital especially now that we're more more and more people are kind of stuck inside more and more people are are made aware of what's happening within the industry. Uh, I, I believe what you are saying, Michael, and I think it's the same way that um, natural is a good resource, but uh, we don't need to depend just natural. We must use between both uh, synthetic and natural. I think it's like the vital for technology and for we reach another level of closing and but save saving the ocean saving the environment this is definitely we have to do and we must change the entire industry chain uh, on demand clothes so you order online and you go in app you order a shirt a trouser whatever you want and by a demand and nobody is doing this because it is impossible to do by a demand because the industry of yarn you can't stop the machines 24 hours doing yarn 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 yeah 24 hours with seamless but with seamless we're getting one step closer there companies are, are able to produce seamless clothing sort of on demand. Um, I think Amazon actually just released their on demand um, with their new fashion drop. I think it's going to be close to on demand, but I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anything to add to anyone else? Okay, so we've come to towards the end of the session. Um, thank you very much, um, panel and Liv. I think that was a really in interesting conversation. I'm looking forward to the Q&A session where we get to delve into more um, on these 
questions from our attendees 